This is the Ready for Baby podcast, a podcast about pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond for new and expecting parents. I'm Gigi, a postpartum doula, newborn care specialist, and lactation educator. My goal is to streamline the newborn learning curve and empower parents. My guest today is Christina Gamarnik, who has so many accomplishments, including speech and language pathologist, mommy and me educator, published author, and more. Christina is a mom to two boys. Before becoming a mom, she worked as an SLP in the schools and private clinics. After having her son, Christina experienced the struggles of motherhood. Through her journey in counseling, spiritual, and self-growth, she realized that her calling was to create a community for mothers who may be going through the same. She's an infant care specialist, as well as a positive discipline educator. She's also trained in couples coaching through the Gottman Institute. She developed this community to be able to provide mothers with education and support so they can be the best version of themselves. In this episode, Christina educates us about how babies learn language and what parents can be doing to help babies and toddlers acquire language. Before we dive in, have you shared the Ready for Baby podcast with your friends and loved ones? If you have, thank you so much. And if you haven't, I would really appreciate it if you took a moment to either share an episode or rate the podcast. Thank you. Now let's get into the episode. Hi, Christina. How's it going? Hi. Good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to jump into this topic. Um, I have speech therapists in my family. It's something that comes up in my family conversations quite a bit and with clients. So I think there's a lot of information you can give to kind of demystify a lot of these questions that they're having. So take a a second, introduce yourself. Tell us about all of the amazing work. You're a a wonderful (laughs) businesswoman. Tell us about all the ways you're supporting new parents. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I'm Christina. I'm a speech and language pathologist, and I used to work in the schools and private clinic before I became a mom. Uh, Right now, I mainly focus on my business of running the Mommy Center. So we provide postpartum support mommy and me classes, and I'm able to bring my background from speech therapy into these classes and support new mamas on how to facilitate language development with their littles um, in addition to all of the postpartum support we do. So what inspired you to become a speech language pathologist? I always loved working with kids. And as a little girl, I volunteered a lot for kids with disabilities. And then my sister became a speech therapist. I observed her a couple of times at work and was just blown away. And I wanted to become one too and did it. (laughs) There's so much to speech language pathology. It encompasses so much. So in your experience... When and how are babies being introduced to language? Yeah, it's really interesting. As uh, babies are born, their brain can actually perceive the full set of like over 800 sounds of every single language. So your baby's born able to understand almost every single language in the world. And in their first year, they really kind of focus on their native language. So they start recognizing all the sounds and Children who are not spoken to, they actually won't develop language. So it's how we learn by hearing it and being exposed to language is how we learn it. So um, we notice how little ones start right away communicating with us through crying as they um, ask for food or comfort or just want to be with us. So that's their first way of communicating. And that then develops into some more vocal play and then babbling, transitioning into words and then sentences. Love hearing little baby babbles. It's so cute. So they're, they're picking it up from birth. They're listening. And... 
there are so many things that are marketed to parents. We're hearing you need this, you need all of these things to teach your baby to speak, but they are just listening. They just kind of need you talking, right? So how should parents be promoting language acquisition with babies? Do you need all of these things or what things would you actually think are beneficial? Yeah, that's a great question. The main thing is creating a language-rich environment for your little one, and that starts with you. No toy, no program, no gadget will ever be better than you actually interacting with your child. So there's like different apps that are supposed to promote language, and truly children won't learn without that face-to-face interaction. So just listening to a little recorder talking is not the same as actually engaging and having that back and forth. So the first thing you want to do is really look at your baby and developing that back and forth as they make a sound, repeat it back and teach them that it goes back and forth. And then um, the biggest tip is being basically a newscaster. So you're going to talk as much as you can, describe what you're doing, really be engaging. And it seems kind of crazy as a parent early on to like talk to your little blob that doesn't really do much. But it is so important for them. Their brain develops millions of neural connections early on. So just exposing them to language is so helpful. So you can just choose a couple of times during the day where you're going to discuss. So maybe as you're doing coffee, you can just talk about it. Say, oh, mommy's grabbing the cup. I'm going to pour the coffee in. I'm going to close the cupboard. And in just this couple seconds, your child learned a bunch of new words. And then also um, reading to your baby. Super, super helpful. I know a lot of us hear that now, but as we talk about reading to your baby, it's important to pick the right books. So if you have a little one, try to stick to shorter books that are more engaging and interactive. And if you notice your little one kind of losing interest, don't push it. You don't have to finish books. Just make it fun and remember that it's all about exposure And then also singing songs, doing nursery rhymes and using that finger play, anything you can do to make it really silly or fun is going to help to keep your baby engaged. Yeah. And that is hard for people who have never done it and they don't feel comfortable. It can feel weird. You're just talking to no one. Yes. (laughs) I think there's so many times during the day, like you said, making coffee, doing a diaper change, Mm -hmm. you know, changing their clothes, even just like narrating what you're doing or like having that. And eventually you're saying it kind of mimics a conversation, even though they're not saying anything, you pretend like they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It definitely feels very strange, but the more you do it, it's like with anything, it gets easier. Yeah. So you don't need stuff. You need your voice, you need books, and you kind of need to feel comfortable just talking all day long. Basically, and anything you can encourage your baby to imitate, so like simple gestures as someone is leaving, you know, model, go bye-bye, do the gesture and say it out loud. Or if you're picking up your baby, show them that gesture of up and really label it so that your little one starts using the gestures. Um, All the research shows the more gestures a baby has, um, the more words and faster they're going to acquire those language skills. So working on their early gestures is really important as well. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. And that also like the way that you said like, bye-bye, like the parent language, a lot Mm -hmm. of people feel like they're kind of belittling babies when they talk to them, but babies respond really well to that type of like exaggerated speaking, right? 
For sure. The intonation is so important and it's natural. Like us moms do it. It doesn't matter how old you are. When you see a baby, it just naturally comes out. So I think some dads have a harder time with this, but it is like all the research shows as we increase our intonation or change the pitch or the volume, it just makes babies more interested and they pay better attention. Oh, that's so sweet. So when you are seeing clients at the mommy center, what are the biggest mistakes or just your experience? What yeah. do you see people doing wrong? I think um, obviously a lot of it is not knowing. Every parent goes in wanting to do their best, but sometimes a lot of things, you know, we don't have the newest research. So like, uh, for example, using that baby talk, like you mentioned, it's great to use, that, uh, to use the intonation and the pitch variation. A lot of parents end up using that, wrong baby talk where they use wrong grammar or the wrong sound. So if your baby goes, um, oh, the wabbit jump, and then they'll repeat it. Yes, the wabbit, instead of saying it correctly, the rabbit, uh, or, you know, the baby's using the wrong sounds or just the grammar is not right. So that's a big one. We want to correct it instead of just like imitating the wrong way. It's very good to use that baby intonation, but we want to use correct grammar and the correct sounds. Also, I think what I've seen uh, with clients is people not really doing a lot of face-to-face -face time with a baby. Um, in today's time with us being on our phone so much, it's hard, even for me, like I'll catch myself being on my phone and like trying to talk, but I'm not giving like full attention. So selecting some time during the day where you're really going to put your phone away and have that intentional one-on-one -on -one time without distractions is so important. Babies and even like toddlers, they notice when you're not fully present. So that's definitely something I'm still working on. And I'm sure most parents struggle Me with. Me too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Also, another thing I've noticed a lot of parents do, and I did that before I became a speech therapist, is we think that we teach by telling little ones, say this, or like you hold up an object and constantly question them or like test them by asking them, like, okay, tell mommy, what sound does the cow make? All right, look at this, look at this, say moo. That's not really motivating for little ones. So what we want to do instead is just commenting. You can label it many times and just tell them like, this is a cow. The cow says moo and then give them some time. Wait a little bit to let them imitate it. So I think those are like the top things I see. And also just asking too many questions. We love to ask questions. I think that's just something we do. But if you consider us as adults, we don't like being asked questions all the time. So I don't know why we do it. It always baffles me. I never understood it. But just remembering for every question you ask, try to do four or five comments. Those are such good points. It's funny. My One of my sons the other day said something incorrectly. My husband said it back the same way. And my little sister, who's a speech pathologist, was like, that is not how you say it. You need to correct it. <laughs> It was funny because I mean, like I know, but I don't say. Um, and for asking a bunch of questions, I think it's kind of validation. Like mm -hmm. we, if we say, what does the cow say? And they say moo. And we're like, yes, I have a smart kid. Mm -hmm. You know, we feel really good when our kids, I don't know, perform, especially like at a party, but it's overwhelming. 
Especially with like grandparents, I think we like to show up like, oh, Sally learned to clap. Can you do it? Clap your hands. And yeah, then like, you're like, so the why aren't you doing it? <laughs> yeah. Say all these numbers, say your ABCs, but really it's like stressful for them. Yeah, <clears throat> it is. So now let's hop over to terrifying toddlers. <laughs> there are so <laughs> many, again, tools that are marketed like cards and books and all of these things that are just marketed for language acquisition. How can we help once they're, you know, speaking a little bit, how do we help them to acquire language? Yeah. Again, it goes back down to talking to them a lot. So if your child is starting to use one or two words, you want to repeat back whatever they said by adding one more word. So if um, the child says more juice, you can say, oh, you want more juice and just expand on it and model how to use more words. Also, you know, just playing games, like Simon says, you can uh, start teaching a lot of the receptive vocabulary, um, which is like understanding words like point to your nose and then working on two-step directions. Um, a lot of parents don't realize that before a child can really use their words, they have to understand words. So we always work on that receptive piece first before we can really expect our children to use words. So anything you can do to work on those simple directions and commands will help um, asking some simple questions. You can also work on same and different throughout the day, you know, as you're doing household chores, maybe it's laundry, you can start talking about the different um, characteristics of clothing, the color, where do we wear it? Is it for this particular season? Just anything you can bring up to model more language will help. Um, attending, again, you want to be there with them, really give them all the attention. So that'll help as well. Books are, of course, really great. As you're doing books uh, with the toddlers, it's really important to find something that they're really interested in. So if your little one loves cars and trucks, you're going to really <laughs> get some good shopping and some books in that topic so that he's really engaged and then making it fun. Use a lot of actions, you know, move your body, be loud, be silly. Anything we do that is going to you know, make your little one laugh, they're going to be more inclined to respond. I love that. A lot of, I have a lot of books too. My kids love, thankfully my kids all love to read. That was the only thing I wanted. I wanted them to like musicals, which none of them do. And I wanted them to learn to read. <laughs> yeah. Another strategy I always tell parents about is offering choices. I don't think that's really used enough by parents unless they're told to. Um, Whenever kids are just starting to talk or they're really still learning words, sometimes it's a lot if you just ask them, like, what do you want for lunch or where should we go? There's just all this availability of words and they might not know. So giving them two choices helps reduce that anxiety. You have already the word that you can say and you're just basically imitating it. So they're more successful. So rather than just asking them, what do you want for lunch? You may want to offer, do you want quesadilla or do you want a sandwich? And then your little one can use his or her words. And as we were talking earlier a little bit about what are some mistakes we see, um, as parents love to just help our little ones a lot. So instead of just giving things, let um, a big thing is we can just teach them by waiting and letting them ask for something. So rather than if you notice your little one is hungry and just giving them a bar, maybe you're going to ask, oh, is there something you want? And then have them requested. Same thing with toys. Just don't give it right away. Wait for them to ask for it. 
Yeah. And that's hard because we feel like we're helping like, oh, they're reaching for that. I'm just going to grab it and hand it to them instead of taking that second. And I think that goes for responding to where we want to throw all those questions at them and then we want them to immediately process all of that. But it takes them a few seconds. I try to wait. Like if I say like, go and sit at the table. I like wait 10 seconds when I want to be like, I said, get go over to the table. You heard me move. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I like wait 10 seconds and then I'm like, let's try again. You know, you have to give them time to process if we're throwing a million requests at them or asking them to do things. And that goes for like directions too, right? Yeah. If we're no, saying, you made a really do this, this, point. this. Yeah, I think a lot of parents and even therapists do that. We forget that children need a little bit extra time to process information. So like giving them that extra five to 10 seconds is so helpful, even just to say or imitate a word. You know, when we say, oh, this is a cow. And then if they don't say anything, we assume we're going to move on to the next. But sometimes just waiting it a little bit out is so helpful because they just process things slower, especially with directions. We tend to bombard them like, go get your jacket and then put your shoes on and then come over here and don't forget your bag. (laughs) So it's a lot for little minds to process. Yeah, that's a really good point. And then how for you does screen time come into this? Do you look at it as like this thing we never use? It's evil. It's going to like harm your language acquisition. (laughs) All right. Do you want my professional opinion or my mom opinion? opinion. (laughs) So as a mom, I know that we sometimes need a break. And I don't think there's anything wrong with using screen time. It's like with everything in moderation. I don't think it'll cause a speech delay. I don't think there will be anything bad that's going to happen to your child. With screen time, I just recommend using something that is better. I think some, you know, shows are a lot better for children than others. I personally think Danielle Tiger is great. There's so many amazing concepts my children have learned from like identifying feelings. Even some language concepts are great. So anything that's engaging, and especially if you can be around and like comment throughout and just kind of discuss what they're seeing, it's going to be still a language environment where they can learn. But trying to stay away from just nonverbal, like more just the silly type cartoons is going to be helpful. Um, I think there's lots of wonderful apps on iPads and I can maybe send you later just my favorite ones if you want to add it. But there's some great ones that work on one step direction or like categories. I think those are all great. But I always tell all the parents I work with. Yes, research says do not introduce like iPad or TV before two. But I think realistically, we live in a world where it's not really going to happen. I mean, those parents who don't, I I don't know how you do it. I would love to learn, but that's a lot. That's hard. Yeah, (laughs) it is. And they see it everywhere. I mean, we're exposed to it everywhere we go. Restaurants have even TVs on. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it in moderation. Okay. Thank you. That makes me feel better. Yes. (laughs) Um, And now going over to language milestones. um, I know language milestones, a lot of the developmental milestones have recently changed Yeah. and babies and toddlers are so unique. The ranges are all over the place. So it's easy to feel like my kid isn't doing enough or they're behind. So how do we balance like the information from our pediatrician and the milestones and like our gut instinct of what is right and wrong for our babies. 
You just made a really great point in terms of, you know, your gut instinct. We as mamas, we usually know our little ones the best. So following that gut instinct, I always say it doesn't hurt to go and get it checked out. Worst case, you're just going to be told your baby's right on track. Don't worry about it. And you're like, yay, okay. But, you know, if there's any concerns, it's always good to start that early because, Early intervention is so effective and it can just prevent later difficulties. So I always say I'm a big proponent of it. I put my first son in speech as early as I could just because I didn't want to risk. Oftentimes, you know, kids will catch up, but you never know. So there's no harm in starting that process early on. One thing I want to mention is uh, the difference between milestones and averages, we moms tend to Google things and then we'll look something up. So we want to make sure we are aware whether whatever charts we're looking at, they're milestones or averages, because the milestone is 90% of children meeting that particular skill versus the average, it's only 50% of kids. So when we look at 50%, you know, it might be a higher skill, but just keep in mind whatever you're looking at so you don't break out. And again, those are all just ranges Every baby develops so differently. And we see that, you know, some kids might be much better in their motor skills. So then their language skills are a little bit more behind or, you know, they're really great with language, but then motor skills are slower. So I think our little kids, they kind of focus on one or the other. So it's not as easy to say, you know, maybe they're behind, maybe they're, they're not. It's just a good thing to keep in mind to look at these milestones so we can be aware if they're on track. Um, there's some like general red flags that we as parents should be aware of just to make sure that if they need any early intervention, we can offer that right away. I love that. I'm definitely the same as you. I'm a like a, if it's going to be a problem, I'd rather figure it out because I know early intervention is so impactful. I would <laughs> rather go and get them tested. And I think for a lot of parents, they're hearing from their pediatricians like, oh, let's wait and see, mm -hmm. which in some cases like wait and see might work, but we're like, I am looking for like optimal. So what would you recommend? You just reach out to a, a speech therapist or you like go test them at a regional center. How would you like advise people? Yeah, um, I think starting with your pediatrician is a great step. Um, depending on your insurance, you sometimes need a referral from the pediatrician. So if you're concerned, I would just directly ask, can you please give me a referral to a speech therapist just to get an evaluation? For a little ones under three, there is regional center. So that's always an available option. It's free. The only downside with that is it takes a little bit longer. So you just need to be prepared that it may take a couple of months, especially during COVID times. Some parents waited as long as six months to even get seen. So that's just something to know about. But going to your pediatrician and then getting a referral to a clinic that has speech and language pathologists there, it's such a simple process. And there's just so much, I think, guilt surrounding it or like parents feeling ashamed or think that there's something wrong if they go get an evaluation. Oftentimes when kids have a speech delay, it's something that can be fixed in just a couple of months. It's not something that's going to label them for the rest of their life. I just always want parents to know like there's nothing wrong with your baby. Just like some kids may have not great vision, they need glasses. Some kids just need that extra bo boost and then they have their language 
in order within a few months, maybe max a year. So it really just depends. And I try to remind all the moms that it's nothing you caused. Some kids just are born with a different ability to learn language. I like that analogy of like the glasses. You yeah, wouldn't not you wouldn't have wait. your kid <laughs> wear glasses because you didn't want them to like be different. You need to go and get support if your gut instinct, right? Yeah, says, for sure. Go do that. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I learned a lot from you. And can you tell us how can people connect with you and your work and the Mommy Center, which if you're in Orange County, you definitely know the Mommy Center. <laughs> yeah, I think following us on Instagram at Mommy Center OC is great. Um, I'm always available my email is info at the mommy center. If you have any questions, you could always reach out. Um, we try to post um, different videos and little content on language acquisition and other developmental milestones. So yeah, we're on social media or email. Always happy to help. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's the end of our episode with Christina. And I am really excited to announce that this is the end of season three, but starting in just a few weeks, we will begin going all of the time every other week. So I'm excited to make that little change. I will see you back here in a few weeks. Thank you for listening.